Hey guys, welcome to the Industry Pulse with Pwn. My name is Adam Ponophobia Cogswell, joining you for another one-on-one -on -one interview episode for this week. Um, I'm sure we're all, you know, stuck inside quarantine, so hopefully this is giving you guys some reprieve from all of that. Uh, don't work. Hopefully you're all not working too hard while you're there and enjoying life as best as you can. Um, speaking of enjoying life, I have Till Vertiman on the podcast this week. Till, how are you? Good, good. Well, thanks for having me. Excited to, to be here. Till, why don't you go ahead and tell people who you are? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm Till Vetterman. I'm the general manager for Mad Lions, specifically League of Legends and also our CSGO team. And yeah, I'm an avid long-term eSport fan. Uh, I think it started basically when there wasn't really eSport for League of Legends. I played like, like the alpha when it came out and I still remember Worlds essentially in Freak's basement. It was good times. <laughs> Um, we're pretty much right back to that right now. Freak Spaceman. Basically, yeah. Actually, I mean, we have all the experience in the world for it. It's great. Um, and yeah, I've been an eSport fan for the longest time, gamer for the longest time, probably played most League of Legends, played a lot of like MMORPGs back in the day when school when I still had time. Now that I actually work in eSport, I probably have way less time to play games like Valorant is out right now and I can't even play it even though I have access. So I'm, I'm waiting for that at some point. And um, yeah, been at Splice and with this Mad Lions for like nearly five years now. So one of the earliest people to be there. And it's been quite a fun ride. So let's talk about, before we get into how you got to where you're at, I want to give people more of a general idea of what a general manager does. Can you tell me a little bit about your day-to-day -day or what, you know, what your respons responsibilities are? Sure. So in Overactive Media, which is the organization holding all the brands like uh, Ultra, um, Toronto Defiant, and Mad Lions, uh, we kind of have the structure twofold. There's the performance side, so all the teams, coaches, performance manager, and then everybody else. So the traditional business side, marketing, finance, HR operations. And as a general manager, I'm kind of in the middle of it. Um, like on an operations standpoint, I very much do a lot of stuff with the teams. So very much like planning that we have a facility when we start the season, that we have player apartments, and all these things. And then like going through the early season, you get people registered in Germany, specifically for my LEC team now. You onboard them, essentially take care of like everything in their life that they could possibly worry about and just make sure that they can only focus on the game and like do the best they can. And in the middle of the season, it might be improving existing things, like getting a scrim recording software or any of these things. And uh, towards the end of the season, it's a bit more of, I guess, keeping people sane and making sure that <laughs> people don't burn out and then... Uh, travel planning and all these things. That's kind of the operational part of one of the manager role. And there's obviously the, the general manager part of it, which is a bit higher up is the, the strategy part of everything. So our long-term planning, for example, with the roster we have now, what's the two-year plan with it? Okay, we're on two-year contracts. We have two people on three-year contracts. That probably makes it easier to like keep the others. And obviously we went for a rookie squad. Like why do we go for a rookie squad? Explain to senior leadership of like, why do we want these specific people? Why do I want this coach with it? What is our other focus? For example, this year was very much, we want to focus on coaching staff and the other things that we can provide besides the team and invest a lot of resources into there. So those are kind of the strategic uh, things I'm involved in as well. Awesome. And so do you have, so being the general manager working through this, you, you pretty much have a direct contact with all the players and, uh, you know, bringing in new talent, like you said, with the rookie squad. Um, do, are, do you take part in the scouting and whatnot as well? Um, not too much. I'm very blessed that I have uh, really, really good coaches that are also really good scouts. Uh, Mac, uh, head coach now, is a phenomenal scout. 
Peter has a really good eye for talent. And even Alva in our academy team has consistently brought up really, really good talent. So I'm under no illusion that myself, I know enough about the game, even though I've played it a lot, to actually find people and identify that talent. To me, it's more hearing all the different experts that I have on my team to kind of bring their opinions together and then combine that with, hey, this player is Spanish and makes total sense for our marketing strategy over in Madrid. Or this player gives this value or this player is this type of personality where I feel like that really has a growth mindset and I can put him into this team and make him work. So those are the parts I'm more involved in, but I would never go out and say, hey, this is a really good mid laner. Let's get him because he has good mechanics. Like I just don't think I could ever say that or I'm under that illusion basically. Sure. And that, that's awesome that you have a great, you know, sports staff behind you and a great bunch, group of guys and or gals um, that are all helping you. So speaking of Mad Lions and the LEC, I'm not the first to say it, but congratulations on your win this last weekend against G2 Esports. I see you guys Thank are going you. against Fnatic this Saturday. Exactly, yeah. That's that's going to be a fun one. Uh, definitely another team that plays very aggressive and very uh, fight them to the death League of Legends. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. So... As the, I know you have a great support staff behind you, and I'm just trying to get a you know a broader idea of your role with with now that we have this stay at home order and COVID and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. How is that impacting day to day to day operations when you're working around that? How are you as a general manager, you know, taking the helm and, and helping players, you know, uh, navigate through this you know difficult time? Uh, multiple factors in this for sure. There's the first one, for example, we play from our office now. And that means usually when I go to the studio and when something technical goes wrong, right, people are going to fix it. It's not my responsibility. Everything's fine. Like I don't really, like, I can't fail there essentially. Now that we play in house, I need to make sure that we have proper backup PCs ready. The PCs all run well. Everything works because if we don't, then it's our problem. Even our internet connection, we're luckily in a building here that has a good business connection and we don't struggle with it. But Berlin internet can be horrible. And I'm so happy we're no longer in the house we were in a year ago because then you you might literally just lose a match based on internet connection. And that obviously completely falls in my responsibility. And I need to make 100% sure that now they can perform at their best here and equipment or any outside factors don't come into the way. So all of a sudden it puts a lot more work and responsibility in my area there, but that's fine. Worked out pretty well for us so far. And then it's also another part of looking at, do we want to keep people in Berlin right now? Like we had to make really tough decisions on, is it actually good to keep people in Berlin? Do we want to send them home to their families? Like LEC made it very clear that they're not going to force people to stay here right now. We respected that. Um, we talked to all of our players and all of them said, okay, but we want to play the season to the end. So we had to make really tough decisions on, okay, let's keep them here. Let's all avoid people as much as possible. So we still have to play from our office, but uh, content people, social people, all the people that don't need to be at the office are no longer here. We all arrive via bikes, for example, which actually probably has been the most positive change, I would say, seeing the entire <laughs> team biking in the morning and going to like the park here in Berlin. That's uh, probably the, the positive change apart from that and i mean then it's also managing people's fears around the entire topic of uh everything that's happened well luckily a very competent sports ecology staff so we have a lot of support there but it's, it's not an easy time to lead people in general i would say sure well that's great to hear you know it sounds like you guys have a great sports system obviously coming out of a, a great win over g2 means everybody hopefully is in good spirits uh, going into this week definitely yeah 
Um, one other question before we get into more about you, because this is something that I've always wanted to ask now that I have a general manager in front of me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick your brain. So you you spoke about you know keeping the internet whatever stable there. When it comes to like your network infrastructure in the house, is that something provided by sponsors or are you guys just kind of running an everyday $300 gaming modem or not modem router, excuse me? Uh, This time we are in a shared office space that was specifically picked because it has a really, really good business connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've actually picked this part of Berlin because from having a previous office here, I knew that this is the part that has a really good connection. And that's how it's fine. Um, it, we used to run, like, especially the way LEC used to be run, it was a lot of gaming houses, which were in a more residential part of Berlin. And there, our internet connection was just not great. So we, we got the best router we can get. We even had a 4G router at some point with an unlimited data card. Nice. That would be like the worst, worst case backup. That got us like a 70 ping and high package loss game. But like worst case, that was better. Um, I mean, the funniest story is actually for Worlds that we uh, had to play for my bedroom to qualify for Worlds because the office we were in had such a bad internet connection and my house, my apartment was just like a couple blocks down and we could play from there. Uh, so that's how bad it can get in Berlin. Mm. But every team manages differently and now we just decided we're going to an office building, we're getting a proper connection and nothing's going to stop me from that because everything else has just been such a pain. That's great. I love those like behind the scenes stories. They're they're always fun for you know fans and whatnot and whatnot alike to find out. You guys were all you know kind of <laughs> packed in like sardines at one point, right? Definitely the kind of like old school stuff we sometimes need to go back to. I mean, especially now, like we play from online again. It's all back to like 2010 essentially. So let's t- let's roll this back and talk more about Till and your journey to become a general manager or where you're at now. Uh, a little birdie told me that previous to this you grinded wow and you were you basically i don't want to i don't know if i should say it though i'm just going to say it and then we'll figure <laughs> it out from there that you you know you basically worked with somebody else you it was you and another man uh working on one character basically playing 24 hours a day and you know oh, i think yeah. that speaks a lot to your work work ethic that you're really trying hard can you tell me more about that and you know how that how you feel that impacts your you know how that brought you to your current role I don't think it was World of Warcraft for that specific story. It was Runes of Magic. Um, but same thing. I also grind a lot of WoW uh, since I was allowed to play it. At first, World of Warcraft was like the bad thing. So my parents wouldn't allow me to play. So I played Runes of Magic, which was the same thing, but free to play. Um, yeah, they actually played with someone who had a night shift job. So we essentially also took turns playing. And that account was basically online like 22 days. 22 hours a day, which I think by now will be considered account sharing, but uh, it's that back in the past, it doesn't matter. And funnily, like that person like, couldn't really otherwise play during the normal raiding times that every guild had. So he did most of the, like the daily quest, the other stuff, and could still feel like he was like participating at a high level and could do it on the weekends. But I was doing all the like raiding in the evening at these type of things. So we had a couple close to server first and these type of things in Runes of Magic, simply because we were able to grind that much. That's great. I love it. I love the dedication that it takes to really, you know, put in five, six, seven plus hours, uh, you know, playing a game and really, I know raiding was a lot of work. I used to raid hard back in the original World of Warcraft. So, uh, you know, I, I understand the dedication behind this and trying to push hard for it. So much organization that also went into it. Like looking back at it now, it's probably like a really good manager school, like even like organizing who gets loot and all these things when it wasn't properly defined and like who 
he's there at what time and once you were missing a tank on one day because one person decided not to show up how do you manage that like do you give people late warnings like it's actually surprising <laughs> close to what i do now oh yeah no i love it i i run the trinity force network in the back end and so i have a lot of, i don't have as near as much managed experience as you, you have but i've always said that because of my rating experience i was able to run the network because it's the same thing you know you got to make sure people are on time make sure people are uh, potted up yeah you get it you've done the whole thing um and i'm sure it's not too far from what you have to do to your players right make sure they get up make sure they're eating make sure they're playing etc totally yeah um so how did you you know this is you be younger your parents didn't let you play you're doing this game how did you transition to this role to eventually became general manager so i started in games like Rings of magic and these type of things and i was always really interested in the guilds and, and among other things but especially at the start i was too young to join the good guilds and that always led to me then, well, then I'm just going to create my own. And it actually worked surprisingly well for being a 12-year-old at the time. Uh, and I created some decent, not high rating guilds, but like good community guilds in Runes of Magic, for example. And then played a couple of other MRPGs whenever they were came, coming out. It was like one of the first people to like build, set up a new guild there. So that worked pretty well. And then all of a sudden, League of Legends came out. And I think I was playing the alpha with like half of my class. Like for some reason, everybody just got really, really into it. And it was such a fun thing because usually class in that age, uh, you always have like the cool kids and the lesser cool kids. And you just have this uh, like fight going on in a weird way. But somehow like everybody just wanted to play League of Legends. Like that was just what we did. Huh. And like... All the guys and I think four of the girls were playing it. So like 70% of our class was playing League of Legends in the evenings or right after school or anything. So it became this this really weird class where there wasn't all of a sudden wasn't much bullying or any of the things that were usually there. And even teachers picked up on it because everybody just wanted to play League with people in the end. And obviously there was a decent amount of crash talking and everything, but it was still kind of a really cool community aspect that... I've never really seen before like that. And then people were coming to my house for LAN parties and everything. And it was just really fun. And from that, I realized that in gaming, I really like this community aspect. But there weren't many like clans, I guess you could call it, or guilds or any of this in League of Legends at the start. It didn't really exist. And esport organizations existed, but esport and League didn't really exist. So I figured, why not like get a TeamSpeak server and get a post in the German League of Legends forum going? And recruit some people to meet online and like play League of Legends with. And I think I was 13 at the time as well. Uh, I got really lucky that the first couple of people joining were actually like great co-founders in the end. And we created with Delta Gaming, it was called. One of the largest League of Legends community clans at the time in Germany. Like we were the top posts in the forums and all these things. And had hundreds of people just playing a league together. Wasn't really much esport to it. It was just like, hey, your your goal, yeah, let's let's play together and let's, let's set up internal games and like hunt down Timo or whatever you would do. <laughs> and that was just really good fun. And that kind of transitioned to like my first close to esport experience when we had like a clan war. It was called at the time, I guess, like taken from the old CS days on own 3D TV with all of us watching in a team speak and like one guy commentating and. That was just a really fun experience to me, like watch my own team compete, not just watch somebody else compete. I've been watching eSport the entire time, but like watching a, a team I built compete, even if it was against like complete randoms. And that kind of got me further into looking, hey, there's, there seems to be this eSport thing. And after like 
years and years at Delta Gaming and then switched to Planicky Dynamics, which was a German organization. We won a couple of uh, German championships in League of Legends, Counter-Strike, even went to the Major. Um, and that kind of like really started the eSport fire. And I don't just want to watch this, but I want to watch my own team and I want to watch that team win. So if somebody was out there and was kind of going down the same path that you were, you know, they're making a community, they're making a team, they're competing. Uh, what kind of word of advice or, you know, how do you expect somebody to get into kind of like the same position that you have? It sounds like you joined, uh, you know, you were watching players play and you realize this is what you want to do but then you said you joined uh, another community and I, I'm sorry the name um, Planet Key Dynamics thank you Planet Key Dynamics uh, you know how did how did that go about did you apply did you just join did you talk to somebody you know uh, what's the story behind the Planet Key Dynamics it's actually quite interesting because I never actually applied to be a manager anywhere even for Splice so I'm at Lions now I never actually applied to be the manager uh, for Planet Key Dynamics I actually applied as a journalist at the start, uh, I was just interested in eSport and they had like completely not paid anything. And I just wrote some articles on their website about the teams. And then they took me to the first League of Legends event, which we've won. And it's just good fun. And I slowly helped them create, I think it was literally just like this three-page document for our Korean player that traveled to Europe and just explaining him with like a picture of like, on this thing, you buy your bus ticket. And with this thing, you do this. All the players really appreciated all of a sudden having like a better travel guide and not getting lost everywhere. And to me, that was just a problem that I wanted to fix. And from that, they then said, hey, why don't you do more team management? And at some point, I was promoted to being eSport director simply just because... I saw problems and I fixed them in, in, a, in a weird, very simplistic way. And it, it's always something I just enjoyed doing and never taking anything as like, I don't know anything about that, but well, let me look into it. I'm sure I can figure something out. And that was how I've actually gotten to do most of my managing jobs. In, in some respect, that's a lot of what a manager should be doing, uh, finding the simplest things and fixing them, right? Of course, there's there's taking to step too far. Uh, you don't want to hold somebody's hand the whole way. But like you said, writing up a document that says, you know, go eat here, take the train here, here's how you get to this place um, is really helpful, especially for really younger uh, people. And, and I think that's an awesome way to, uh, it's something that other players or excuse me, other managers could take uh, from this interview is that helping other people out and really uh, taking the weight off their shoulders so they can spend more time doing what they're good at is, you know, it's a sign of a good manager. Yeah. Because I mean, especially if you're in a small esport organization right now, even if you're not, they always have roles that are well, obviously unpaid at the start, but see it as a hobby, do whatever you're good at. It might be writing, it might be editing videos, it might just be to help them with socially, it might help them organize travel, like a good friend of mine, travel agent, just texted a couple like orcs for like, hey, I'm like a good travel agent, like let me help you. And that's how we hired him as a travel agent for years. Like it's super simple. You have a very specific skill that might be applicable in an esport organization. And even if it isn't, like esport is so young that so many tasks are not getting done the entire day or so many things are not optimized because there just is never manpower. So if you become that person that takes these things on and just finishes thing after thing, people are going to notice and people are going to give you more responsibility. Like just essentially go and get it. I need to <laughs> I need to move to California. I could definitely I've always thought about that. I think a lot of those organizations need network or system administrators. Right. And I always thought it would be mm -hmm. an interesting way to, to contract work out to help people with their computers and stuff like that. Uh, 
And you know you don't you don't hear a lot about behind the scenes of what people are doing. Generally, like you said earlier, it's gaming houses. Just somebody throws a router in there, you connect your computers, and just hope it works. So. Yep, I've learned a lot about routers and everything by trial and error. It's not really any like proper knowledge. It's just having done it for a lot of times. But so you spoke to the unpaid uh, portion of your career, and I know a lot of us started out that same way. Do you have an opinion on that? Do you feel that more people? I don't want. I don't want to set you up for a bad question. Mm-hmm. I, I, do you feel that's a good way to get into the industry? Is to take an unpaid position, or do you think more people should be fighting to get some kind of payment for when they're first starting? Depends. I would say it completely depends on your experience level. If you know you're good at something and you usually get paid to do this thing and you usually get paid well to do this thing then there should be an expectation that eSport can also pay you to do this thing. But for example, in my case, I was a writer that had never written for anything before at the start. And I've never got paid to write. I don't have a formal education in writing. I was just passionate. It was a hobby. So for that, it was totally okay to not get paid because I was a complete hobby and I was learning more than anything. And I was getting like a mouse and keyboard at some point And I was super happy about that. Um, so I think it's knowing what you yourself are worth in that sense specifically with that skill that you're trying to build like if you're out there and trying to become a better video editor and you work for an esport dog for a year and you do it while doing another job that's probably a great way to get better but at some point notice when your work becomes worth paying for and also when the organization you're working for makes money off your work like a lot of teams that i work with at the start like even the players were basically not really paid and nobody was making any money and then what else can i do then work for free essentially and see it as a hobby is there anything yet a new player can do in the same vein as somebody who's writing or, you know, journalist or video videography to get themselves to be known? Uh, do you see, do you understand where my question's going here? Mm-hmm. It's definitely a lot harder for a player. Um, things that you can do. And if, for example, I saw a shop, a jungler we had last year for our academy team. Um, and he's currently also searching for a team. And what he did, he put some videos on YouTube of him explaining certain concepts in the game and like analyzing things. And if I'm a coach now, or even as a manager, I can go there, watch this content and see how good he is on these topics, which is usually something I wouldn't see as much. I will need to talk to him first. And that's obviously takes time away from doing other things. So for example, I thought that was a pretty smart move. And it also just shows me like that guy's putting in the effort. And I know Sharp, he's the kid that puts in a lot of effort. He finishes studies while helping us at EMA Master, among other things. So that's something I've seen recently that helps. Um, the other thing is, it is a networking game in the end. So be as connected as you possibly can with other players. Uh, play as much Duke, you potentially in League of Legends or do other thing. Make sure you're on the right Discord servers. And these type of things are really going to set you up for success apart from in the end, simply just playing well, especially in a game like League of Legends. If you make it to the top 10 challenger, we're going to look at who you are. Awesome. Um, I've, I've always been curious about what players can do to better market themselves. And it sounds like even finding somebody that can help you out, a video editor or whatever it may be, uh, on top of playing well is the way to go because just playing well doesn't mean you're going to be signed with anybody. Exactly, yeah. And making sure that you understand branding and you sometimes even understand what we as a team get out of branding and how we make money. Like sometimes having an understanding of how an esport organization works 
has been really helpful for some players in the salary negotiation or other things because they can clearly go to me, hey, I provide value for these for you guys in these categories and I know you can monetize these categories, so I should be getting more money. It's a small example. While some players have just no idea how they actually make money for us and just think that being the best at the game is enough and that doesn't really set you up for long-term success. Does Mad Lions provide any kind of coaching or training or anything with players that they bring on uh, when it comes to s- social interactions with others or stream etiquette or whatever it may be? For sure, yes. Uh, we do PR training, you would usually call it. For go. example, our PR manager is Stress, who used to cast uh, League of Legends himself and our PR social media community manager. And he's done training with the players, for example, we kind of know what questions Riot will be asking them on the first interview day. So we've went through some of those typical questions with them, made sure they understand if they say something, this is usually how it's going to get used. In a features interview, for example, they know it's usually like the short, like really punctuated statements that they want. So how do we train our players to like give these statements so that Riot can use them in a hype video? And sometimes simply reminding them of a certain topic is currently debated uh how they should comment on it or if they should comment on it and essentially just monitoring what players currently talk about and then sometimes go like guys that idea you just had to tweet not the best idea (laughs) and then in a certain degree just becoming the guy they go to to like hey the street might be a bit on the edge do you think it's fine and then stress would give them feedback and say hey that's totally cool or maybe delete that word and then do it again and that way uh we do try to avoid problems in the future so as the general manager of uh i, I keep wanting to say splice i'm sorry <laughs> it still I, I, happens I, to me to be honest the time is still not over it, right i'm still stuck in a few years ago where you know it was like it was it was all splice uh, and and so excuse me if i <laughs> if i screw up here uh, as the general manager of mad lions what do you feel that you do um, you know, better or, you know, than other organizations? Um, do you feel it's the support system that you have set up? Do you feel it's just the player relations? Is there anything that you can speak specifically on that you wish that more organizations would do that Mad Lions is doing currently? For sure, it is the, like, performance support system, I would call it. Um, like two years ago, I still remember us being the first team to bring proper healthy snacks to a best of five. Like it's crazy to me to think about that that wasn't an obvious thing to do, given all the money we paid pay these players and they are five hours in a game and then all they eat is like a chocolate bar in between. Like how did we think that was acceptable? And to a certain degree, that's still what a lot of teams do. And those were kind of like the first stepping stones of us going like, we spent this insane amount of money on players and all these sport organizations do. What can we spend a small amount of that to make sure we get way more out of this big amount we spent on players. And that's in multiple categories. One easy one was food that we just instantly improved. Another one was everything surrounding like their physical well-being from doing sport to even now like biking to work in the sun in the morning is instantly a big improvement. Um, then on the other hand, the training room we're in essentially, like what can we do to make practice more efficient? Sometimes small things like making sure the TV is big enough so everybody can see the minimap. Like if they're sitting in the back and I can't see the minimap, but we spend this insane amount of money on the players, then let's get a bigger TV. Like let's make sure everything here is good. Let's make sure the internet connection is good. Let's make sure they have a proper system to record their scrims on. All these things that add like this half percent on top of the performance that they already have 
that's been what we've been really focusing on. That's been what I went to leadership with and said, like, this is where we need to invest resources on. And I think we found some really talented people to help us there. Uh, Jake, our performance manager, also often called Viking. If you have seen on stage, you instantly know who the Viking is. Uh, and he actually doesn't have anything to do with eSport at the start, but he's super fascinated with high performance and was an osteopath beforehand. And he has been really crucial in helping the players get way more healthy in their general life. Like we've seen players join our team and lose incredible amounts of weight in the shortest time or just get way happier with their body. Not even that they get super buff, but like, oh, okay, I'm, this, this is better now, which is a good side effect to have essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, something where we have the edge on, on most organizations. Um, the second one maybe, which I'm less involved in, in the sense, but because the big part of my coaching staff got given to me essentially when I became manager uh, was Peter, Mac, and Duke at the time and instantly realized I have some something really, really good on my hands here and essentially trying to do everything to uh, keep these coaches because they're like the, even across all our franchise at OIM, we know that our coaches are kind of the center for how good we are because if they can't find the good players and if they can't coach them, then we don't win. So to me, making sure that these coaches stay and that these coaches have everything to succeed and that they want to stay with us has been, and even trusting also their decisions. Like if I would be the general manager and overrule them on what player to get and I get like a big brand player and it doesn't work, also not the greatest thing. So I think it's a combination of support staff, like the non-coaches support staff, and then the coaches themselves that has set us apart or hopefully has set us apart from a couple other organizations. Uh, I, I have to say, I really love your attitude. Uh, I've had, you know, I've been a boss. I've had a number of bosses of my own and the ones that are always understanding or, you know, are willing to work with you when it comes to just being a person and living, uh, you know, generally be the person I want to stay with for a really long time. So it sounds like your support staff is really behind you because you're very, you know, you're very open. You're very, you're willing to listen and help them and give them what they need to, to work, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, I applaud you for that. And, so Thank that's, that's going to bring me into my next question is I was connected to you through Chris Alfinar. And mm-hmm. uh, for those of you that are listening, Chris Alfinar is a mental wellness coach uh, for, and he does, he has done it for previous teams. I know he's done it for Mad Lions. Do you feel that type of thing is something, you know, the mental well-being of your players is something that really helped and could help other teams succeed outside of just the physical aspect? For sure. It's also something we still do with once we uh, acquired Mad Lions, we also acquired their sports psychologist, Martina, who's been a big part of helping our LEC team here as well. And previously we've worked with Chris, which was really, really helpful. And it's one of those things when I always like to bring it back to numbers. When I look at the big cost that is my player salary and everything around that and how small in comparison the cost of having a sports psychologist or any of these things are, it is instantly a very easy argument to say, this is this thing that makes this insane amount of costs slightly better. So we should definitely do it. And besides that, besides the performance aspect of it, we need to realize that these are often, like I have a lot of 18 year old kids now that all of a sudden get like, when we have a bad game, they get a lot of hate comments on Reddit and they might not feel too good about themselves and making sure that we are responsible, that we can have the support they need to deal with these things and get through that and do their jobs because this isn't an easy job. This is a job where one misclick can hound you for years, like double of missing a flash once uh, people still laugh about it. And that's not easy. Even if you're as big of a person as double lift this in the scene. Right. And 
to that, to me, it has a really big impact on performance and it's really important for performance. And I think we get so much more out of players by doing these things. But it's partly also a responsibility of ours to make sure that people in these jobs, especially young people, that also might not have had the biggest experiences of living outside their house, probably just lived at home before, not having the biggest social experience that other people had, like make sure that they are okay with everything happening around them. I can only imagine what it's like to be an 18-year-old and, you know, thrust into the world because, you know, coming from, I'm 30 now, or 34, <laughs> and being an 18-year-old, all I want to do is, you know, play video games 24-7 and eat McDonald's, right? So it's definitely got to be interesting to toss somebody into this full-time job, which is what it is, and, and trying to make sure those players are doing what they need to do to stay competitive and earn their salaries. Yeah, especially I think the difference is when I look at traditional sports. In traditional sports, they've been inside a team environment since they were like seven or even younger. Like for them, it's professionalized, but it hasn't changed too much. For us, the professional League of Legends experiences, even in Europe, well, you might be in a team, but honestly, the team is being played online and you swap every two weeks anyway. There isn't really much of like team culture and pressure on you and all these things. But all of a sudden, you toss all of these people together in a gaming house, you put them on a stage and their entire life changes. On professional sports, there's also an insane amount of pressure on them, but at least they've been in a team environment before. All these things change a bit more like in slower steps. Well, for us, it can sometimes be the biggest boom moment. I mean, even for these players right now, if we would have gone to the finals, they're used to basically not playing in front of a crowd ever, and they would have played probably on 15,000 people in Budapest if that would have happened. Like, how can we make sure that people are prepared for this? Sure. And it's almost like you can't, right? You can only do so much to get somebody... Uh, you know, ready. Even in traditional sports, I know that uh, I've wrestled in front of not 15,000 people, but thousands of people before, and it's nerve-wracking to walk out there. For sure, yeah. And so I get it, and I I feel for these guys that are out there. Um, So let's talk... uh, We've talked about the support system and the mental well-being. I I understand that players are under contracts, and the contracts, you know, are given up to one, two, three years, whatever it it may be. But do you see, as esports evolves, of there being any kind of support system for players who are getting ready to retire and move into some kind of other role? I'm always curious of what uh, organizations are doing for these players that potentially are coming to their end of their video game life cycle at 25, 26 years old. Honestly, for the biggest part, it's missing. We have thought about it, but and for some players, there are only very few traditional roles that have worked right now. Some players are, for example, going to become coaches. Some players are even moving into management, like we have uh, Mitch at G2 or Deficia and all these people. But it's a very small part of the player base. And for us, we've looked at potentially transitioning some people. For example, we had Han and our Counter-Strike team who have moved into a manager role specifically regarding Valorant, which makes total sense. The guy has been able to find a lot of Counter-Strike talent and Valorant seems to be a very similar title. So that was like an optimal fit. But those situations are still very rare. And honestly, it's definitely something as an industry we need to work on to what can players do after their career is over. Because honestly, right now, I don't have a good answer and that's a problem. Right. And I agree with you. That is a problem. And it's also hard for the players because, uh, you know, besides being really good at a video game, what else do you bring to the world? You know, uh, hopefully that they're spending this time while they're playing the video game, either going to, I know it's hard because you got to put so much time into it, but going to college or getting ready to do something like that or being able to transition into that role. So 
Um, it, it would be nice to have some kind of support set up where the, you are, you know, applying, you know, giving them housing or giving them something to help them transition to whatever they need to do next. Right. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's lots of answers, but what is the correct one? We probably need to look at professional sports a lot more and see what they are doing. And it's definitely a question that hasn't been answered at all yet. Right. Um, now speaking, uh, let's, we're going to take another step back here to kind of go in, along with Splice and you you working with Splice. What is it like coming from, you know, being acquired, having to go, you know, uh, take on this new persona and being thrust into a general manager position instead of um, the manager of Splice? It was a very interesting change, specifically because my change also happened with the LEC franchising in general and the LEC rebranding from the LCS at the time. So a lot of things were changing. And specifically what was interesting or the biggest change for me was that I was no longer just managing the five players that were around me, which as a Spice team manager I used to do. But all of a sudden there were in general more staff attached. We had a data analyst. We had so many more people that needed management. But we also all of a sudden had an academy team, which was in Spain. Uh, well, at the start it was actually in Berlin, but then we acquired Mad Lions and we moved them to Spain. So all of a sudden it created this challenge of Managing people I don't meet with. For example, I my current uh, academy team, given the COVID-19 situation, I haven't even met some of these players yet. Obviously talks to them when we signed them and all these things, but I have not been able to meet them in person. So it is really, really hard to all of a sudden learn to not just manage people that are in front of you, but manage people that are very far away. And then to a certain degree, even like we have a manager there called Carlos, and like, how do I manage him? How do I make sure he's set up for success? And I have a manager, Jonathan, who's managing our CSGO team currently in LA. How do I make sure he has everything he needs? So it's not even seeing what like I can do myself, which I'm very much a person that used to just do everything myself because that was the best way I knew how to do things. But it changes drastically to how do I make sure other people are in a position to get stuff done? And uh, I think that's still a step I need to learn a lot at. It's a very difficult transition. I feel like for a lot of people that transition to all of a sudden being like an actual manager of multiple people that also do their own things. But I do like the challenge. That's what it comes down to. Is you know we're all we're all out here trying to make it every day, and a lot of us suffer from kind of some kind of imposter syndrome. But it seems to be you doing very well, uh, you know, in the new position and just learning from your mistakes every single day, right? Or what? In the end, I, I don't want to say we mistakes have to, that you yeah. make every day. Excuse me, <laughs> but you know. Oh, what no, I mean. I mean, there's there's always something we can do better. If I would walk through here and go like, "Yep, guys, everything's perfect. We're done here," then I wouldn't be the right person for the job. And that sometimes means making mistakes or make just overlooking things, not having improved something right away. And that's where I see my job as well, especially when it gets to like the middle of the season and things calm down. It's a lot of like looking at things with new eyes and going like hey, this little thing we do right now as a routine actually isn't as efficient, but if we do this, it might be better. Awesome. Um, Till, I have to say, I really love your attitude. You know, you're, you're very optimistic. You're very positive. You're, you know, you're very forthcoming with everything. And I'm sure a lot of your players and, and staff feel the same way about you. So it's been, you know, phenomenal to be able to talk to you today through this. So, uh, you know, with that attitude and with the experience you're getting, where do you feel that this is going to take you into the future? Honestly, I have no idea and I like that. It's, it's an interesting answer I always give in the sense that four or five years ago, I was an internet take TV and wanted to become a video producer. Then I went to university and wanted to work in an advertising industry, I wanted to work for an agency. And now I'm doing this team manager, general manager thing, and I love it and I currently want to do it. 
but I have no idea what I'm going to do in five years. And given how like fast my interest has changed, also probably given to the, the young age at the time, um, I'm kind of completely okay with not knowing where it will take me. And I'm just, I like the fact that I always feel like I can be flexible in what I might want to do in life. And that I've always been able to be flexible. Like at Splice, I started as a video editor, was a brand manager for a while, then somehow became manager again, now general manager. So I've always been able to like do what I want to do. And that's how I want to keep it. And what I want to do in five years, uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> just be able to live and enjoy life, right? Basically, yeah. I love it. Well, uh, that pretty much ends the the number of questions I have for you. Uh, I, I really enjoyed listening, you know, to your story and hearing about how you got to where you you have. Do you have any last words or any final thoughts that you know maybe people need to know about uh, the esports industry? You're breaking in this industry, etc. I would basically repeat what I said in the middle of this, which if you want to get into esports, and a lot of people ask me. Do look what small second division team you can support is something like what skill do you have? What do you want to do? And then go out there and do it, view it as a fun hobby. And if you do realize you're good at it, people are going to notice and then go from there. But the biggest part is do it. Don't be lazy and then see where that takes you. Rock on. Well, Till, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Everybody go out there. Please support Mad Lions against uh, Fnatic this weekend. Uh, excuse me. Um, you know, good luck to you guys. I, I hope you guys do well. And I really appreciate your time today, Till. Okay. Thank you very much. This was fun. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to interview, er, Interviews with Poe. That's the old name of this. The Industry Pulse with Poe. Please check us out at TrinityForceNetwork.com. We will see you all next week. Thanks for listening to my new interview series brought to you by the Trinity Force Network. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting me on Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash Network. If you have a question or a comment, you can drop me a line at adamc at trinityforcepodcast.com. For everything else, please check me out on trinityforcenetwork.com or subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Until next time, thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy all the shows that the Trinity Force Network has to offer.